This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Forget Facebook. Now the metaverse is ready to come home. Or maybe you'll come home to the metaverse. Will this change our entire life? Plug in your goggles. It's the vice and virtue. Hello, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. We're coming to you from Chicago. I'm Adam. And I'm Chris. Hey, Adam. Today we are asking the question, (laughs) what is the metaverse? I can't imagine why we would be asking this question today. (laughs) Maybe it's because I loaded up Instagram because you're always posting that stuff. <laughs> and it said by Meta when I opened by it up. Meta is over everything now. So Mark Zuckerberg announced yeah. that Facebook had a new name and the name is called Meta. Yeah, he went all alphabet. Remember when Google turned into <laughs> yeah, right, alphabet? Right, 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 right. But it was Facebook. so much weirder. <laughs> and so now suddenly everybody is talking about the phrase because he did like this whole... Yeah. I don't know if you watched the keynote, but he did a keynote video address and like explained like, this is the metaverse. Right. He did a whole explainer video for like an hour on what is the metaverse. And And now we're going to talk about it. (laughs) What's great is we watched it. So now we can talk about it. I mean, we used to say meta, I guess, growing up. Like I always be like, that's so meta. That's so meta. Like, like when you were a, trying to be ironic or something? Well, I thought it was a junior high kind of joke we did. I'm not sure we knew what it meant, but to be honest. Man, you were really smart in junior high. <laughs> oh, really? I, I, was, I was not making meta jokes in junior high. Okay, maybe high school, but I was definitely like one of the theater kids, so smart things were things. Oh, like. is that is that where the smart kids hang yeah, out? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the mistake I, mean, I was making. We got no dates, but like we made jokes like <laughs> meta. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg went to town. He said all sorts of really interesting things in that video, and I want to talk about them. How convenient. I brought the video with me. (laughs) Let's play a clip to find out what the metaverse is, and then I'm going to hear your reaction because, you know, I know you're going to love it. Hey, today we're going to talk about the metaverse. Back when I started Facebook, that mostly meant text that we typed on computers. Then we all got phones with cameras, and the internet became much more visual. And recently, as connections got faster, Video has become the main way that we experience content. The next platform and medium will be even more immersive, an embodied internet where you're in the experience, not just looking at it. And we call this the metaverse. Let's start by exploring what different kinds of metaverse experiences could feel like, starting with the most important experience of all, connecting with people. Imagine you put on your glasses or headset and you're instantly in your home space. 
It has parts of your physical home recreated virtually. It has things that are only possible virtually. And it has an incredibly inspiring view of whatever you find most beautiful. Hey, are you coming? Yeah, just got to find something to wear. <laughs> sure. Just got just got to find something to wear. Yeah, th- this whole time he was naked. <laughs> if you saw the video, he's just No. Yeah, no, he's... no, he was but he was wearing like his signature black sweatshirt and black pants. By the way, you can go watch this online. We'll link to it on the website. Yeah. And then he turns around and there's like a 3D version of him standing there and he like changes its clothes by waving its hand until he chooses which one he's going to do. Yeah. How's your embodied internet going there, Adam? Oh man. You know, I struggle to decide what to wear, and I have a finite number of things in my closet. (laughs) The idea that I might have an infinite number of things in the metaverse, that sounds like a lot of stress to me. So what was your reaction to the announcement? Had you heard of metaverse before? Be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I've heard about it since I was like 14, but I was also a nerd. Yeah. I would say I'm not as nerdy as you. (laughs) Do you know where it came from, the term? Yes. From where all good things come from, a book. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's right, a, right, a novel from the 90s, right? Yeah. 80s or 90s? <laughs> Called Snow Patrol. That's actually completely wrong because that's a band. Snow Crash. <laughs> Called Snow Crash. Snow Patrol was a 2000s. <laughs> Not a bad band, actually. They were okay. They were okay. Dude, Snow Crash was a sci fi book written in 1992 by a guy named Neil Stevenson. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about it in 20 years, probably not 20 years, whatever. I hadn't thought about it in a lot of years, but I read that in high school. Did you? I totally really? read it. It's about this like ninja guy. He's, right. Literally, he carries a sword, wears this all black outfit. It says black as like night or something like the light gets absorbed into it. And he's running around like sort of solving crime, but also okay. like he's... <laughs> But it's also like he's in a digital world. And the whole thing is like everybody's an avatar. Everybody's a digital virtual being. And they run around on this thing called the street. And the street, the they, street, wait, yeah. the street, like, like this is the hood. No, no, exactly. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. And like, so this guy turns out he was like a programmer. They said that America has fallen in the world and the only things we're good at is coding and delivering pizza really fast. And, <laughs> and, I, and then really that's what it's like. And so this guy is one of the guys that wrote one of the pieces of code that created a lot of the metaverse. And then suddenly everyone's in the metaverse. And now we're in this world where a bunch of corporations control this digital world. That's everyone in. And they call it the metaverse. And Neil Steve, in the fiction writer made this up right and that's what mark zuckerberg is referencing right when he's talking about the metaverse right he's referencing a dystopian novel <laughs> right right you're, oh you're you're absolutely right yeah it's it's definitely a dystopian but, but, but novel. it's but it's a word that most people outside of the sci-fi world and your sixth grade self <laughs> hadn't right. hadn't really heard of it, and so he can yeah. kind of make it well yeah whatever I was, he wants because i was with, that's why i asked you because i was with friends like last week and i was like had you heard of the word metaverse before mark zuckerberg did yeah. this announcement yeah. and everyone's like no someone's like i've heard of multiverse i think in my physics right. class you know <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. right and then like i think even zuck said he's like i think most people would think of spider-man or something when they think of the metaverse mm. but it's not spider-man it's this next version of the internet right, right. so I think for me, the most popular version that I think of when I think of the metaverse is The Matrix. I love also, that also movie. from the 90s. I wonder if The Matrix kind of stole Neil Stevenson's concept a little bit. It maybe? turns out our I don't entire know. future is just going to be determined by everything that happened in the 90s. <laughs> 
<laughs> so instead of jacking in with that like sharp uh, spike that goes in the back of your head in the matrix jacking in wow yeah that was, right you're right that's what that's, happened there was I this that's weird what, and it was like that was like cr- creepy it went in your spine yes the, yeah but instead of that you put on a virtual reality headset yeah basically yeah, Mark starts talking about VR goggles. Yeah. Like virtual reality goggles. And we've seen these, like it's Oculus. Yep. It's the big brand that Facebook owns. Yeah. There are other the, brands out there. Uh, HTC Vive, got it. Microsoft HoloLens. Yeah, yeah. And some others. Some people have these at home. We haven't bought one yet. Honestly, I don't own one yet. But some people have them. They bought them for Christmas, like to play yeah. some games. Yeah, they're like cool three or $400, them. the Oculus one right. is. But this is like imagining that everyone has a headset like this and they're ubiquitous and mm-hmm. you have them at home or work, right? Or you have a version of augmented reality glasses. Everybody wears glasses. Half the planet wears glasses, You're right? wearing glasses right now, but I know you just want to do it to look smart. Yeah, that's true. They're just <laughs> hipster glasses. <laughs> but then over a layer of clear glasses, you might have a layer of graphics that would kind of tell you what you're, what you're looking at. and Sort of like what Google Glass was from a few years mm. ago. You remember that? They did not succeed. They didn't well. Yeah. And that's why I think it's kind of bold that here Mark Zuckerberg is like, we're going to try Google Glass again five years later or whatever, and maybe learn from Google's mistakes and try and make it better or something. Exactly. Okay. So tell me for real, back to my original question, what was your reaction? The metaverse. Gut check. Oh man. I think what he's envisioning is one idea. And like, I don't think we're actually going to get, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think we're actually going to get to what he's envisioning, but I think there is a future that includes more graphic technology. What do you think? See, I thought you were going to be like, bah, this is terrible. The end is coming. I, I, I'm skeptical that it'll be realized. That's yeah. What, oh, I see. Okay. But the vision of it, and we'll get into it, but I see some potential signs that like we could head in this direction in some significant ways. What's your take? I mean, I watched the video and him doing it, and I wanted to be scared. Come on. Mark Zuckerberg is just sort of robotic, no matter what you think about him. Like, he's, he was trying so hard he in this was. video. He and it's, tried and really it's, hard. Mark, you did a really great job. I just you, want you to hear except that. Except sort of not. Like, it's just like still like, oh, the human connection vibe. It's like, he's, <laughs> like, I feel like someone's editing his eyes to make it look better. Like, and he pauses in awkward spots. Like a podcast co-host, I know. <laughs> Are we talking about me right now? (laughs) But when you actually watch a little bit of the video, and I think people should go like watch 10 minutes of it or something. They try to paint this glossy picture of playing poker with friends and working in this amazing looking office and being able to play these sort of unreal games. Like you could play ping pong with a friend from China and you start going, this would be sort of cool. So I don't know. I I think the video did what it was supposed to do where I got even more positive about like, maybe this isn't dystopian. Maybe this isn't weird. Maybe this is the whole next level. Maybe. Or it could just (laughs) extend all the problems we've already had with social media and all of the issues with privacy that Facebook has created for us and all of the issues around political disinformation and manipulation. Maybe that's the world we'll go to. Exactly. Well, I think... The first topic you have to talk about when you think about the metaverse is you have to talk about avatars. There are avatars, and that's how we're going to represent ourselves in the metaverse. Avatars will be as common as profile pictures today, but instead of a static image, they're going to be living 3D representations of you. Your expressions, your gestures that are going to make interactions much richer than anything that's possible online today. You'll probably have a photorealistic avatar for work, a stylized one for hanging out, and maybe even a fantasy one for gaming. 
avatars. I mean, <laughs> to me, it's a movie about blue people. <laughs> I mean, that just screams identity to me. Yeah. Like questions of identity and questions of identity are huge issues today. Like people are talking about identity in all sorts of ways. There was another part in that video where someone said, we'll be able to represent ourselves the way we want to be seen. I'm trying to picture how you would represent yourself the way you want to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, you could represent yourself as a robot. You could represent yourself as a dog or. Or just with your hair brushed. (laughs) (laughs) or as another ethnicity you could represent yourself as another gender or sex right sure but could you i I mean i mean so those are those are some of the questions though right with with, these are early internet criticisms right like a lot of early internet said we're all anonymous and we were on message boards at the time Mm -hmm. there was nothing 3d about it Mm -hmm. but people were like there was even some scholars that wrote the freeing thing about being online is you're free of your gender construct or you're free of your background that might hold you down and then of course we got into real identity there are room for anonymous internet now but generally that's a different portion of the internet and now like linkedin facebook Twitter world of the internet is, you know, we got rid of the fake names, right? That was an early stage of the internet. You think that's coming back? Don't you think we'll be ourselves? I hear what you're saying about the anonymous internet and some of the fears around that. But because questions of gender and identity have become really big in the last five to 10 years. For sure. For sure. And part of me wonders, is that a result of the internet in some sense? Oh, what do you mean? There's this mindset that we have adopted because the internet is a part of our lives. We can represent ourselves in various ways. And so it's having an offline effect as much as it has had this online opportunity to represent ourselves in certain ways. And so to me, there's that social question of, is the internet actually working backwards into our everyday offline life? And we're saying, why shouldn't I be able to represent myself the way I want with the identity that I want, with gender that I want? and your pronouns, and all of those questions, right? right? I mean, back in the day when we created the Facebook profile, it's been a long time since (laughs) any of us did that. But I mean, there was definitely a drop down for like how you wanted to represent on Mm -hmm. your sort of gender and then also relationship status was one we've talked about. And maybe you're saying even the idea of when we built a profile, like when we used to get a driver's license, they look up and go male. Like right. Whether or not that's always the right thing, that's what was done. There wasn't a drop down where you choose. Right. And you're saying the idea that we build a profile at all starts making us question, like, how am I going to build my profile in real life? Yeah, it starts shaping our thinking offline about how we represent ourselves. And that includes clothing. I use clothing to represent myself in certain ways, right? right. I might, right. I w- might wear more masculine clothing or more feminine clothing or what? I discovered... When I was young, when I was leading a couple organizations, I was the youngest leader in the room a couple uh-huh. times. Okay. And I discovered that I needed to wear a little bit nicer clothing. Yeah. Because I think I got more respect just by wearing a nicer collar. Yeah. Or looking a little bit spiffier or cleaned up. So, yeah, like I can see having an avatar with sort of business clothes or spiffed yeah. up in order to sort of impress or to communicate something. But, but it extends beyond clothes in the metaverse. It extends to your body your face, your hair, your eyes. Everything about you becomes clothing that you can define however you want. And your body becomes closing. <laughs> yeah, that's the avatar kind of concept. There's a side note in Snow Crash, the ninja central character. By the way, his name is Hero, spelled H-I-R-O, and his last name is Protagonist. <laughs> so his name's Hero Protagonist. <laughs> 
<laughs> which I'm pretty sure when I read that, I didn't even understand. Right. What it was like, what it was. But hero protagonist goes into like a bar or something and slashes with his sword sort of kills this other avatar and he says this is a glitch in the metaverse because we didn't have any code for what shows inside a body it's just all the outside of the body Mm, and so it falls open (laughs) and i think this is one of the little things he's saying he's like in it looks like skin clothes and skin but it looks sort of hollow underneath there's no body parts there's Mm. no blood Mm. and you look inside and you can like lift it up and see the back side of the skin and and i think the author was almost pointing to what you're saying is like you were putting on even the body types, everything you're putting on something. Yeah. And for me, it moves into a theological question of when God creates us, he gives us bodies. Okay. And those, those bodies are given. We're not able to define a lot of like the key characteristics and qualities about our ethnicity, where we're born. Like I'm a really tall guy. Right. And uh, people right. really struggle with how tall I am. <laughs> and, and of right. course I'm lying because I'm five six. And, <laughs> and and yeah, I don't have a choice on that. And that actually right. gets incorporated into who I am. Yeah. I remember a couple months ago I met a guy on Zoom and then we met in person and he was like six six. And I was like, <laughs> I thought you were short. I thought you were normal. Right. <laughs> and but we've we've gotten used to Zoom life where we're interacting with pixels that represent people. Right. right. And the move to the metaverse is another step there of representation. So is it more right or is it more wrong for me to be able to choose all these aspects of my identity yeah. or have them chosen for me? Well, and to me, there's a question of what is valid about what God has given me as a person? And what does it mean if I jettison everything about what God has given me in order to define for myself what my identity is? Who gets to define what my identity is? Is it me? Is it someone else? Is it God? And that's a pretty significant question that I think the metaverse begs to be answered from a theological standpoint. Well, clearly the answer that Zuck and even people that don't like Zuck would give would be that you're the only person that can define you. Yeah. But I think we might also say that that's actually not the healthiest approach to being human. Mm -hmm. That actually part of who defines us includes our families, our church, our community, and the one who made us. Right. And that that givenness it's funny we have a contradiction, right, in the cultural narrative on this because we have one narrative that says self-determination is the essential virtue. Okay. I can choose my pronouns. I choose everything about me, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And But then we also have these touching movies about people feeling longing for their lost birth mother mm-hmm. and they feel like there's part of their identity is missing because they don't know who that is or even about identifying with an ethnic group that we're from mm-hmm. and wanting to really reconnect to those roots or understand that. Mm-hmm. And these are stories of a group giving us that identity, not ourselves actually. Right. And us struggling for ourselves to identify that. And yeah. I think the avatar question clearly presses on that. And it's interesting because those identity questions of who's my birth mother, who are my people, are community questions. Like, I'm defined in relation to other people. It connects me to other people. Whereas if I get to define who I am entirely, I'm suddenly a community of one. I'm suddenly alone. I'm not connected into a larger community if I'm defining myself. I heard Eugene Peterson talk about this. And he said, God has given you these characteristics about you and you now have a chance to explore who God has given you to be and to understand that and then live into that. So there's a difference between the pursuit of defining who I am and the pursuit of exploring who I am. And the metaverse wants to say, 
your pursuit is to define who you are. And I think God might say your pursuit is to explore who I've made you. Well, it makes me wonder, though, if you could actually have a metaverse identity thing where you could explore, but then somehow settle. So I don't know if I agree with you entirely that it's automatically unlimited exploration, but actually I do sort of think with a sinking feeling that that's probably what it would be. (laughs) But you're right about relating to other people. In fact, that actually reminds me of, (laughs) can I bring up Zuckerberg again? Because he talked about these home spaces with other people. This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. Beyond avatars, there is your home space. You're going to be able to design it to look the way you want, maybe put up your own pictures and videos and store your digital goods. You're going to be able to invite people over, play games and hang out. Uh, You'll also even have a home office where you can work. Your home is your personal space. I mean, it sounds so cozy. I get to choose the thing that I want to see that inspires me the most. By the way, Zuckerberg is walking next to like a house that seems to have glass windows overlooking some mountains, that, which I'm like, yes. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> like, or like, We're can, in Chicago. There are no mountains. <laughs> and there's a cozy fireplace. <laughs> yeah, there's sure, no mountains here. Or I could just put like... I could have a skyline view of the city anywhere yeah. in the city. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people live in Chicago near the skyline, but you can't see it because you live in a tiny little brick apartment, right? You know, only the folks with money have a nice skyline. And why view. does it have to be a real skyline? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I you could, could do create a your own Sim City. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could play SimCity and then put that skyline I love Sim- up. I love SimCity. I'm not going to lie. Well, now I'm sold. That literally was the <laughs> thought that sold me. <laughs> I used to love SimCity. I might have sold myself a little bit there. <laughs> So, I mean, the question of identity is the questions of presence and relationships. Like, what are we present to and who are we present to? And and even place. My friend Thomas would kill me if I didn't say place. The most fascinating part about all that, the connection between the place and the people, Mm -hmm. would be that idea of home. Like, Mm -hmm. what is home to us? Home is a big, deep concept I've loved thinking about in my life for a long time. Like, where is home and how does it create it? And, you know, I grew up in the military and we moved... 21 different houses by the time I was 21 years old. And so different houses in some ways were very much our home and very much not our home. Our home was where our family was. Yeah. It was the people that were there. And I sort of liked the rotating and changing. People were like, how could you do that? I was in the same house my whole life. I think about the metaverse home that I could create and it feels sort of cozy because I could maybe make that beautiful place. But then I would want certain people to mm-hmm. be able to come into that place because mm-hmm. that's what makes home. Mm-hmm. The reason why I think the metaverse concept 
does catch on, does really happen, okay. is because of what Zuck said that he's for doing. They Right now, you can they have on the Oculus, they have these little, you can make these little home spaces and customize it, and they're going to make it better. You can yeah. do all these custom things, but you can do simple things like choose an area, maybe change the color of the paint or something. <laughs> but he said soon we're rolling out a social version of this where you do hang out with 3D other characters that are like your friends right. or your family. And imagine in a pandemic world, us having essentially a, a much better version of Zoom. And then we get to the point where we get really good 3D characters. And so it doesn't feel maybe as tiring because it is more natural. And mm-hmm. those people are in that space. And then you invite them into a home, like into your space. It almost would be personal because you like you've put up art on the walls virtually. <laughs> it makes something emotional and psychological and real. Mm. And see, I'm just imagining like the wallpaper that people put on their home screens on their computers and like, <laughs> you know, some have really beautiful images. It's repeating dinosaurs. Yeah. And some people have, you know, really ethereal, interstellar visuals. That's true. And you're going to see the concept of home diversify as much as anyone's home screen on their computer is diversified. And and I find that interesting because the concept of home then becomes less co- cohesive in some ways socially societally and there's no like one way of defining what a home looks like or feels like do you think it actually reverses back to something so a lot of people live far away from their family say Uh and so a lot of us you know we might go home for the holidays the holidays are getting close like you might go home for the holidays but otherwise you live in a different city and some people have a lot of good friends other people don't you and i have a lot of friends in the city but we've also been around a long time right (laughs) And then, you know, we've moved around for work, economic forces, and then suddenly the pandemic changed a lot of way we related to these distance technologies because we all worked from home for a long time. And we also did family connections through those things. Do you think that this maintains this idea that I can live in sort of like Dallas and while my family's in something else on the East Coast? During the pandemic, a lot of people have started deciding, well, if I can work from anywhere, and I know we want to talk about work too, but if I can work from anywhere, I'll just move to where I want to be. Right. But one of the holdbacks from that might actually be your friends and family. But if you have this really hyper-realistic way to connect with friends and family, Mm -hmm. does that mean that we'd completely divorce from place, home becomes completely divorced from place? I mean, I think it becomes a mental space and not a physical space. Mental, but also visual. Yeah, for sure. And it manifests from my mental space into whatever I can imagine to create and maybe what I can afford to create because there is an economy to the metaverse. You're not going to just be able to create anything. You're actually going to have to pay for what you're creating, right? Yeah, sure. Right. This is one of the ideas, right? That there's a currency that we can use consistently. And we already do that online. We have credit cards and other things, but in that we can have ownership and that's gets into this idea of NFTs, which we haven't talked about a lot yet. That's a cryptocurrency kind of category. Not a currency, but a blockchain, a way of saying in the internet that I have original ownership of this item and you can't just totally steal it. You can make a copy of it, but I have the original, right? Right. We should talk about that sometime. Yeah. Asterisk, (laughs) see later episode. (laughs) Right. And so if you're creating all of these NFTs that you then go to the Metaverse Home Depot, Home Depot's back. <laughs> uh, See our last episode. Yeah, yeah. If you go to the Metaverse Home Depot, you actually have to pay for the objects and the wallpaper and the decorations that you're going to put in your home. 
maybe all the materials. Who knows? I mean, what what's going to be free? Nothing, because it's all being run by corporations that are working together. Wow. Wow. Okay, let's get to corporations. But for a moment, I'm thinking about creating worlds. And let's just check okay. out this thing he said about that. Now, speaking of teleporting, there are going to be all kinds of different spaces that people make. Rooms like the ones that we just saw, but also games and whole worlds that you can teleport in and out of whenever you want. Teleporting around the metaverse is going to be like clicking a link on the internet. It's an open standard. In order to unlock the potential of the metaverse, there needs to be interoperability. And that goes beyond just taking your avatar and digital items across different apps and experiences, which we are already building an API to support. You want to know that when you buy something or create something, that your items will be useful in a lot of contexts and you're not going to be locked into one world or platform. You want to know that you own your items, not a platform. The best thing about Mark Zuckerberg talking about teleporting is that I think of Star Trek The Next Generation. Right, right. So yeah, it's like yeah. we're just doing different generations of sci-fi. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> but he's like in the metaverse, we can leave our home space and we can go to these other worlds, right? And mm-hmm. we can take those things that we own, like our clothes, the NFTs, the things, we can take them across these spaces. It's all interoperable. Right. And later, you know, he goes on and talks to developers and is like, we're going to give you all the tools you need to create these worlds and to create these sort of spaces. And I immediately thought, oh my gosh, all the Christians are going to go create a Christian ghetto. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I think some Christians may be the first, and not Christians, just everybody, but the first reaction might be like, oh, I can just go to a cool, cool game or cool space. But then when you start thinking about it, if it starts mirroring more and more of the world, like we have neighborhoods in Chicago that some people go, that's a bad neighborhood and this is a good neighborhood. Okay. Right? People are usually talking about crime. It also has to do with a lot of how a neighborhood looks and how mm-hmm. economically advantaged or disadvantaged it is. But you sort of imagine these sort of neighborhoods popping up in a metaverse, like the street back from that book. <laughs> and you imagine, you know, you could do anything. And if you can do anything, people are going to do the things that humans do. I mean, one of Mark Zuckerberg's favorite games is Grand Theft Auto, the one where you can run around and it was famous for you can like steal a car right. or like even like grab a woman and it's like inappropriate. Like it's really rough actually, or can be rough. And you sort of start imagining the metaverse as this place where bad stuff can go down. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I grew up, we weren't allowed to have Halloween. We were just anti like dressing (laughs) up in witches. And our, my church was all like, we don't do Halloween. We pretend we're not doing that. And we have like a harvest party instead. Right. So there's (laughs) pumpkins and you sort of dress up, but it's an alternate version. It's an alternate world of what everyone else was doing where we tried to remove the sort of the, the witchness. You know what I'm saying? It's God tube instead of YouTube. (laughs) It's the Christian version of Facebook. It's the Christian version of Twitter. It's the Christian version of the metaverse. It's like Stephen Curtis Chapman on the loudspeakers, you know? (laughs) Hey, hey, don't diss. Don't diss SCC. (laughs) Oh, no. I was an MWS guy my whole time. (laughs) Michael W. Smith beat out SCC every time. (laughs) It's not a competition. Don't make me choose. You know, some Christians might look at that and go, hey, that stuff was all all good. But I look at that and go, the formation of Christian culture for a couple of decades that really tried to ignore the culture around it wasn't a very good experiment. We created like music that wasn't as good. We created sort of a Christian-y version, you know, that were sort of shadows of the real thing. And then also separated us from knowing our neighbor and loving our neighbor mm-hmm. and like interacting. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus seems to be setting a different example to the pure, all things are pure 
culture when he went in spaces that Pharisees said, oh my gosh, you can't go there. That's the sinful neighborhood. That's the bad street. And he sort of goes there anyway. And he's like, don't you know we bring our holiness with us? It's not the things that go into us that defile us, the things that come out of us. Mm -hmm. And so does the metaverse just wind up creating another version where the church creates its own sort of Christian-y version of a world that separates itself from the rest of the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the features of the metaverse is what you said, interoperability, which try and say that three times fast. But it is this idea that there are multiple companies that are all creating platforms. So you have Sony PlayStation and you have your PC and you have your Oculus or you have your HoloLens. You have all these different platforms that are providing services in the metaverse and you can cross between all of them. And you can take your avatar across all of them. And so just like a hyperlink will take you anywhere, it's usable in any place. It's not like Facebook, I have one profile, Twitter, I have another profile, and it's really hard for me to connect the two of them. Like I'm literally taking the same photo and trying to manually upload it to two of them. This is saying that actually you have one sort of meta profile, if you will, and that goes with you everywhere to all these places. They're trying to make it seamless across all these different platforms. And so it's this multi-platform metaverse. And... Obviously, as one critique, is is any company really going to let that happen, yeah. including Facebook, which right. says they think they right. want to? But yeah. Because whoever really owns it right. makes a lot of money. Right. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the question related to what you're saying is, okay, so even Mark Zuckerberg says, you know, we need more than just Facebook. We need lots of companies cooperating to make this happen. But he's saying we need a lot of companies to make this happen. So he's not saying governments, he's not saying nonprofits, he's not saying churches. Yeah, sure. And so he's saying there's a lot of companies that are going to define the metaverse and sustain the metaverse. And and so it's within this context that anyone who participates in the metaverse exists. And so it's already defined by a corporate incentive. Mm and financial vision of the metaverse. They're casting an economic vision of this world. So even if you create a CCM version of the metaverse, a Christian ghetto of the metaverse, you're still working within the structures and systems that are established by corporations, even if they are collectively cooperating to make it cross-platform and seamless. Sure. So you're saying that some of the same things that happen now, like some of the same weaknesses that churches may have because they're in the same cultural system could happen there as well. Yeah. And so the idea of making a Christian ghetto on the metaverse is paradoxical because you're complicit with the systems of power that are sustaining the ghetto that you want to create. Yeah, and outside the discussion of the church, it makes me think that some of the same groupings that we already struggle with yeah. in society in general, race and class yeah. and other things actually in this Mark Zuckerberg sunset mountain land sort of <laughs> seem to melt away and you can freely move between zones. But how people act, what we always say is these technological systems carry the same sin and grace yeah. right? Yeah. that we humans carry. Yeah. And we can picture the metaverse creating all these sort of Right. Enclaves, for better or for worse, which both can be empowering, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially, you know, we've heard the witness 
voices of minority voices saying it can be empowering for me to be with people that are similar to me that helps me see where I can yeah. go. Yeah. At the same time, that can become dividing and maybe reinforce the metaverse maybe has, like we always say, McLuhan talks about how technologies essentially crank it up <laughs> on one particular factor of something. They sort of accent one something while numbing the other thing. Yeah. And maybe this creates the ability to create your own spaces despite the fact that you're supposedly interoperable, that you can move everywhere. Yeah. Then maybe you don't. Then maybe people will really only stay in their worlds and they can go to another space, mm-hmm. but they rarely do. So you're saying it would increase tribalism, it would increase polarization, it would amplify those things as much as it would create this this space of connection that Mark Zuckerberg is imagining. It even makes me think of like in my neighborhood to get to the coffee shop, I have to walk by a bunch of blocks and a bunch of people that are different than me mm-hmm. and see like interact with different people. Yeah. And if you teleport, like he said, just like a link yeah. everywhere, you can skip all that. Yeah. You can skip all those blocks. Right. You can go straight to church, right. straight to your favorite supermarket and straight home. Yeah. And for me, it raises the question that it's not just the people that you encounter in the metaverse or the people you avoid in the metaverse and the sin and grace that's involved in that, but also the fact that the metaverse itself is a creation of people. It is a representation of the sin and grace that is inherent in the creator of that space and in the creator of the link between this space and that space. And those systems recede into the background and become invisible to us. We notice the avatars, but we don't notice the spaces around us that are also filled with the sin and grace. Whereas when you walk down the street, there's a given world with certain physics and certain requirements to operate within it that you have to navigate. And those things were created by God rather than by a person filled with sin and grace. Okay, yes and no, though. If I'm walking on the block, let's just remember, I'm in a world where God created maybe the physics, and maybe I see some trees, but the brick houses are actually a creation that I'm walking by, are a creation of the people, and there is a jointness to the created world. And so I go, in that way, maybe the metaphors isn't that different. People are creating it, and what you're saying is the spaces would carry the sin and grace, just like we know that in Chicago, when Mayor Daly built a eight-lane interstate highway right down the middle of the south side on a very particular block. It just happened to be the block between his neighborhood and the black neighborhood that in physical space, you could create a division by using huge amounts of concrete. Yeah, maybe the physical world does carry the marks and scars of the sin. Yes. In that case, definitely the sin (laughs) of of our co-creating. Yeah. And I see it in the same place in the metaverse. Yeah, and what it illuminates for me is that the city in its own way is a metaverse. The book in its own way is a metaverse. The internet in its own way is a metaverse. I think you would agree with me on this, that we could even see it as a precursor to the metaverse, but we already exist in places that are largely human-created. Yeah, right, right. Human-oriented. Well, and even the book and the other things you're saying as one of my theological mentors, Kevin Van Hooser, used to say, words create worlds. I'm genuinely optimistic about work in the metaverse. We know from the last couple of years that a lot of people can effectively work from anywhere. But hybrid is going to be a lot more complex when some people are together and others are still remote. 
So giving everyone the tools to be present, no matter where they are, whether as a hologram sitting next to you in a physical meeting or in a discussion taking place in the metaverse, that's going to be a game changer. I think this could be very positive for our society and economy. Giving people access to jobs in more places, no matter where they live, will be a big deal for spreading opportunity to more people. Dropping our daily commutes will mean less time stuck in traffic and more time doing things that matter. And it'll be good for the environment. Actually, if you travel for work and working in the metaverse means that you just take one less flight each year, that's probably better than almost anything else that you can do for the environment. I think working in the metaverse is going to feel like a huge step forward. Oh, I can't wait to record device and virtue with you as a hologram next to me. <laughs> oh man. We'd get such work gun. So Mark Zuckerberg on the work environment that the metaverse could change the way we work together. We've already been doing zoom. We've been doing distance, but my question for you, is this the ultimate work from home answer? I mean, I do think it's better than zoom. Absolutely. But one of the questions that I've had as I've been preparing for this episode is what problem does the metaverse solve? (laughs) What's the problem that the metaverse is actually fixing? What do people want that the metaverse is going to give them? And for me, it's going to give them solutions to problems that Zoom has created, that COVID has created that commuting has created. I mean, these are all technological problems in Mm. some sense. Oh, I see. I see. So you're saying this gets better, but the technology is solving something that technology created. Yeah. And it's not better than reality. (laughs) It is reality. It's just a solution to problems that the internet has created in a lot of ways. I think the metaverse is a better internet, but I don't think it's a better reality. Well, and to just go on the excursus, but I do not like the language, of course, of the metaverse being one thing and reality being another thing. Okay. For all time, we should put to death the IRL phrase (laughs) in real life. We talk about this a lot. Yeah. And this was true before a metaverse discussion that words matter, that chats matter, that emails matter, that people matter, that the things we say and do to each other online actually matter. And we get work done like that, but also we have evidence of like emotional damage and hurt yeah. and real things happen over right. the internet and real things will happen over the metaverse. Right. But, I, but what you're saying is like, this is a better version of creating, it's not so much reality, is it? It's a representation of a physicality. Yeah. I mean, I think the metaverse maybe solves some of the problems that the internet created, but it's not solving problems that physical space had. Oh, I see. Right. Well, I mean, maybe, I mean, so the critique to that would be like, okay, well now we can do an unlimited whiteboard around me and I can do super cool graphics sure. that I couldn't do. And we can stand you know, in the, in the Facebook video, in the work section, they jump inside an architectural design of a building. Like they're standing like architects in the design of the building, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, which right. we can't do that in real life. Right. And you can picture that. At first I was like, oh, that's a great example. You know, we have this famous architect in Chicago, Jeannie Gang, and she just designed a building in Chicago that's going to be the world's tallest building designed by a woman and it's about to open okay. up downtown. And I can imagine her as an architect appearing inside the design and working with people to show them where to put things, which is something that we couldn't do in quote unquote physical space. Sure. So maybe sure. that's better, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think there are better things about the metaverse than current computer technology can provide. Right. 
And I do think that if the metaverse is going to reach this ubiquitous experience, this seamless experience that Mark is imagining, it's going to happen by providing a better work experience than Zoom does. And that's really not hard to do, honestly. (laughs) But I don't think it's going to provide a better work experience than working in person with people is. There, there may be aspects of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But no, you're, I think you're right. Didn't you just send me an article that said that Accenture, like the business consulting group, just distributed 50,000 VR headsets, was it? Yeah, right. For training their employees. And Bank of America is doing something similar. They're using yeah, yeah. VR headsets for training. And to me... I think you're right. It starts sort of with the work of the corporate. Yeah. yeah. And, and this goes back to something that you've said. It's a toy, and then it's a tool, and then it's an environment. Right now... Right. Fortnite, and and this is an interesting aspect, but I think Fortnite has potential to be one of the main players in the metaverse because they have created, for all intents and purposes, the best metaverse out there right now. Yeah, and we should mention that Facebook is definitely competing against Fortnite, right? Like every adult on the planet, if you're over 35, you know Facebook and you might not know Fortnite, but Fortnite is the gaming system that every Gen Z knows and plays on. And not only is it a game where you run around on islands and shoot things, but also there's been concerts in there, there's been meetings in there, it's created this sort of metaverse thing. There was a marshmallow concert with... 11 million people watching, wow. which is crazy. Wow. Live. Right, right. 11 million people watching live a yeah, concert yeah, yeah. in the Fortnite metaverse. But that's gaming. That's entertainment. And right. I'm saying, right. following your framework of toy tool environment, yeah. it has to make the jump to a tool in yep. the adult yep. working world. Right. And I think things like Accenture, things like Bank of America are early pictures of where this could go. And I think if it does pick up big, and I think it does have the potential to, then I think the potential for the metaverse to end up in our homes as part of our environment is much more possible. Yeah, because if you've used it at work, and then it becomes a lot easier to like bring it home and right. start using it for natural everyday things that you don't think about. For all of those 14-year-old boys who have been playing Fortnite <laughs> and will be entering the workforce in 10 years... They're already there. They've already been trained for it. Oh, sure. And I, when I was 14, I was always just reading Snow Crash and imagining what it could be. They've yeah. been doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so that, to me, makes a strong argument that the metaverse does have potential. It also makes me think of some of the work applications at home, just for a second to mention that, because we've been talking about VR, but there's also augmented reality, right? The idea that I'm wearing glasses right. and then it shows me some data. And like, for instance, the other day, one of our drawers broke in the kitchen when like the back panel popped off and we had to pull it out and we were trying to like figure out how to reattach it and i was like do you use nails here or do you use screws and then we looked up a youtube video to try to figure it out but imagine if i could turn on glasses and ask a carpenter or someone that installs kitchen cabinets to walk me through it for a second so <laughs> they're seeing what i'm seeing i'm pulling out a drill and they're like okay drill down a little bit lower yeah and that's that'd be their job right and then i'd be paying for that service so that's almost a work in the home thing but mm-hmm. that feel would feel really weird now but uh, once you've done it in your corporate job, you could also do it there. And that's the whole tool example, but it comes home. Yeah. And that's how it moves into that third phase, like you're saying, of environment. Chris, I want to tag back on this idea of companies being the ones that are exclusively building the metaverse and Mm -hmm. defining kind of its parameters. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And no, no, no. I'm defining my mountain view. <laughs> I want to also tag back on our conversation about is my smartphone listening to me? So in the metaverse, the smartphone disappears and it's replaced with our headsets, VR headsets, whatever yeah. they look like. Yeah. And it's less time he said focusing on a device, more right. just being immersed in it. Yeah. And Mark Zuckerberg sees the metaverse as the evolution of the mobile internet. And if our smartphones are tracking us and these ads are following us around on the internet, doesn't it become this sort of advertising dystopia where we're completely surrounded by commerce that is just trying to sell us stuff? Remember Minority Report? Tom Cruise is running by a billboard and it goes, <laughs> yeah, and like, it's, and it, it, says it scans his, his eyes and it, scans it, says, his eyes hey. and it says his name or yeah, something. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So there'd this be ads it. everywhere in the this metaverse. There's commerce everywhere, yes, you're yes, saying. Exactly. One of my favorite writers on technology these days, Michael Sacassis, when he was commenting on the metaverse, he recalled this story from John Bunyan. Do you remember Pilgrim's who? Progress. Yeah, Pilgrim's Progress. Not Paul Bunyan, but John Bunyan. <laughs> yeah, different. And he writes this, The most violent episode in John Bunyan's 17th century allegory occurs at Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair, right? It's not just a magazine. Yeah. It's actually something that came from Pilgrim's Progress. Modeled after the old medieval and Renaissance fairs, they were chiefly traveling centers of trade and commerce. So imagine like a traveling mall, a mall that like went around. Yeah, bright tents, purple strips. I don't know. Right. Uh, all, all this stuff. The Robin Hood cartoon movie, which that's going to mean we referenced that movie twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. While these fairs, these traveling fairs came and went, Vanity Fair was distinguished in Bunyan's allegory by the fact that it was in operation all year round. While passing through the fair, the main character and his companion are beaten and berated. The friend is eventually martyred. And what was their crime? They refused to buy something. (laughs) And I love this story because I think it depicts something of the reality of the metaverse. If you don't buy anything, you don't exist there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Who am I? I'm a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Who am I in the metaverse? I'm exclusively a consumer. I am exclusively a user. I have no identity if I am unwilling to buy anything. Yeah. You're saying a metaverse that's shaped by corporate forces is going to inherently be an economic, they want you to be an economic engine. Right. And this creates all sorts of justices and injustices. This shapes us in weird ways with money and things. It's consumerism. Yes. It also creates haves and have nots. I also heard Sacassus on this topic. <laughs> we need to get him on the podcast. We do, do. We like him, but probably a lot of our audience doesn't know him, but he's smart uh, and he has a lot of thoughts on this. He has also mentioned, he says, I don't know if he was saying it himself or quoting somebody else. He's like, I doubt Facebook is likely to encourage a right of absence, meaning like you would need to be in the metaverse. Right. Like everything would start changing. So to sort of exist, you need to be in the metaverse. They're right. not going to support our right of absence. And he's probably right. And that does things to the way we identify. Mm-hmm. And it's structured by a corporation. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Even places that we would consider parks or free spaces, are no lo- they no longer exist in the metaverse. Every place I go is a pay-to-play space. Well, I, mean, I could see, okay, okay. I could see parks or something happening. Maybe you get governments involved and they create public spaces, although. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if there are public institutions that become a part of this, 
that could happen. I'm right. just saying right, right. in a corporate... Actually, that reminds me though, back to the original in Snow Crash, everyone has these beautiful avatars, 3D, wonderful, except some people have really fuzzy ones. And it turns out that everyone can access the metaverse if they want to. And there are public terminals installed by the governments, just like the public library yeah. that everyone can go to. But right. if you plug into one of those, you're sort of grainy and black and white. Uh, and it's like uh, there's a have and have not aspect of people yeah. that have to go to the library to use the internet right. kind of thing have like worse options and right. aren't as good and right. can't they show up in their job interview and look terrible and oh, and in the 90s he's predicting this sort of if you're paying you're getting a much better experience yeah. than if you're not even if yeah. there's a public access so I think you're right about that justice and injustice, Mm. which makes me think this. What if we created a place where justice actually happened? It's called the kingdom of heaven. Boom. Jesus might drop. (laughs) Right? The kingdom of heaven is the place that Jesus defines as where God's will is done. But it's here. But it's not here. here among you. And it's like another reality That Christians are called into to believe and to live in, right? Like I am in this space, but I have a different definition of what is valuable here. I have a different definition of who is valuable here. I have a different definition of what justice is. We prioritize love, like love of God and love of neighbor. I mean, I know I was talking about the Stephen Curtis Chapman Christian ghetto (laughs) before, but like, could the metaverse, maybe I'm being too ridiculous with this, but is the metaverse be a place where we can create a world where people are treated in a way that God would treat them, Mm. the kingdom of heaven space? Man, like you said, it's a place of both sin and grace. And I have a hard time imagining that it could be. And so, man, I do think it does have the potential to be a place where grace breaks in and where heaven breaks in, where the kingdom of God breaks in. But I do think that the kingdom of God is spiritual reality, not only a spiritual or invisible reality, but I think it is a spiritual reality. Right. And Just like the metaverse. <laughs> and I think the metaverse is structured on a material reality. It is entirely built using electricity doesn't it feel like there's parallels? Like I see parallels. It's I like, definitely it's this, see parallels. This uh, and, all, entering this sort of alternate reality, but it is the reality and it is real, but it mm-hmm. affects the reality. Yeah. But I think the way that the kingdom of God breaks into the metaverse is through God's people because yeah. it's people who are spiritual and material at the same time. The metaverse is material only, and it's not until the people of God enter the metaverse that the kingdom of God could break in there. All right, Chris, enough of the metaverse. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, vice (laughs) or virtue. Microsoft Windows wallpaper background. <laughs> the, the, you know where you where you click do you and need put to a, see my where, I mean, I have. what do you have on there? <laughs> well, you have Windows. I have a Mac, like a normal, respectable Christian. And <laughs> right, haves and have nots. But let's it. be honest, I had Windows for a lot of years, and I've had backgrounds on all of them. And aren't you a Microsoft consultant? I, <laughs> long so time you ago, started I was, there. Long time ago, I was. So like today, like you know, I love to take photos, and I'll put like photos on there. Honestly, my current photo, and I will show this to you. It is gorgeous. It looks like 
like Mac made it, but I took the picture to the mountains in California. However, mountains. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I know. Choose your own. <laughs> yeah, he says, your own. make the ever whatever you want. And that, <laughs> that's why you're bringing it up. I know. But I will say back in the day in windows 3.1. Wow. The, uh, <laughs> There was a little, I would love it if someone uh, wants to message us, if they remember this. There's a little window you could bring up on Windows, and you, you had a dot pattern on it. Did you ever do this? Maybe. It was like a, I don't know, a 12 by 12 square, and you could like choose a color and then turn on and off just the dots. It was either on or off, so they're essentially white or black, or you like with the color. And if you made a pattern on this 12 by 12 square and then like hit save, it would repeat that pattern across the screen and it would make this like, <sighs> do I you do remember <laughs> that? Yes. I was like, what are you talking about? But it all clicked. Yes. Yeah. So if you put just one dot in the square, there'd just be a grid of one dot, I think. Uh-huh, but if you made a uh-huh. complicated pattern, you could almost make like a, a lattice work <laughs> or something. And it was super fun. So obviously Microsoft window backgrounds, I get to define my own reality. <laughs> They're a virtue. And it was a very patterned reality reality huh (laughs) (laughs) oh that's true at all times (laughs) you do love patterns that's for sure man uh well so that's reminding me of those like polygon lasers that used to bounce around (laughs) what is happening (laughs) oh i guess those were nope i was thinking of the screensavers (laughs) totally different totally different (laughs) well it's very i think it was pretty some of those like the other thing you can figure (laughs) on your background exactly exactly (laughs) Oh, man. So I looked at my background just now, and I realized I don't have anything. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. I don't have anything. It is literally, it is literally a black, black background. <laughs> I don't, like, it's a it, black screen. It's like if you don't put anything on it, which is funny. Like Clearly, I don't pay attention enough. You're going to be the most boring person in the metaverse <laughs> ever. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My house, I'll just be like, I am not paying for that. You're like, I am not who wants to come that? over and we're all like, don't text them back. <laughs> so I guess it's a virtue because it would be better if I did it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Get some beauty in your life, Graber. Absolutely. <laughs> I do not know what I'm doing. Well, you know what? If you create a virtual home space, I will come over and help you pick out some things to make it a little bit better, okay? Thank you. You'll spend all my all my cryptocurrency. I will spend all your cryptocurrency <laughs> and, give, and give away your identity to Facebook. <laughs> oh, it'll be too late by then. 